K-U-C-I, the cooch, cooch, the cooch, cooch. K-U-C-I, the cooch, cooch, the cooch, cooch. K-U-C-I, the cooch. Naked comedy. I definitely agree with that. I think that, yeah, and, and the cool thing about UCB, like, um, that's kind of different from a lot of other theater troops and whatever is that there really isn't like a class system there. Like they have classes, you know, there's a level ones, twos, whatever, but performance wise, they're really not, okay, you're a level one performer. You get to perform at these level one shows. They're like, you're good. You can perform more or like you need some more work. Like they will just be honest with you at where you are and they don't really care about, making you take their classes, making you, you know, do right. the the structured way of getting better, they'll just be like, this is what's working for you. This isn't. I mean, yeah, I've always been vehemently opposed to stand-up comedy classes. <laughs> I think, just to clarify, UCB for the improv classes, if you're going to improvise, you need classes. I mean, there are very specific structures. You're working with a group of people. Um Etc. Stand-up classes, on the other hand, just <laughs> j- just in case people heard the word classes and thought that's what it meant. Or boot classes, <laughs> uh, uh, Over here, it, it's always just some hacky New Jersey feature act who's been on Stern once and is just completely failing, and he teaches you how to write generic, formulaic jokes. Um, nobody can teach you how to be you. I mean, the difference between improv and stand-up is improv, you're kind of, you know, playing these these characters, and you're playing these scenes that you're never going to play again. I mean, you're not really playing yourself. You're using, you know, the intelligence that you as a person have, but you're 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 inhabiting other characters and, and places you've never been to and so forth. Whereas with stand-up, the, the goal is to be yourself and is to be original. And it, it, as bizarre as it sounds, it, it takes about eight years to be yourself on stage. Like, I've met people, writer friends of mine, who are so goddamn funny off stage, and they get on stage, and they're just not themselves. It's, it's horrendous. Like, they're talking like they think a stand-up comic's supposed to talk. And I did the same thing. Um, you know, so you have these, like, brilliant guys uh, and girls who, in conversation, you're having these really funny, heady conversations about, like, foreign policy. And then they get on stage, and they're doing a joke that ends with, oh, I guess that was my dad that touched me. Like, just because they think that's what <laughs> a joke sounds like. And it's it's the most bizarre thing in the world. So it really does take a really long time to just be yourself, to be able to be having a conversation and then walk on stage, nothing, no demeanor. Your demeanor doesn't change. Um, and if you do want to make, you know, a living or something like that, it also takes, because a lot of times, like, if a comedian's going to get successful in a, like, getting money kind of way, it's more likely they're going to be a comedy actor than be right. a stand-up, you know, like Lewis Black or whatever, touring the world and getting tons of money. Um right. But so then, not only are you becoming a stand-up, like, once you become a stand-up, then you probably also have to become an actor, which is completely different. Yeah, I mean, if that's what you want to do. I mean, I kind of have a problem with people who just use stand-up as a stepping stone, because they're using stand-up because the manager told them that that's a good shortcut to become an actor, because these people will have the most just horrific, wrist-slitting, generic 
inoffensive material because all they want to do is get up on stage and have people like look at their pretty face yeah Um, i I mean more like i mean more like the people because a lot of times it feels like i see people on tv you know especially in a lot of these nbc shows like ever since they started getting people from ucb you always see somebody like hey i know that guy hey whatever and like he didn't want to be an actor but that's the only way that like the agents and stuff could be like we want to use you but you're going to have to act. You know what I mean? Like, it- no, you're right. I mean, I'm going through that with my managers now where, um, you know, they you go into meetings and they ask you what you want to do. They bring you in as a stand-up comedian. And they're like, so what do you want to do? And you're like, comedy. And they're like, no, really? It's <laughs> like, uh, it's like well, it was the same reaction when I told my dad I want to be in a band. Like, it's literally like, oh, you, you naive little shit. Like, no, <laughs> that's not going to happen. And it's depressing that comedy can't be the end game. But at the same time, I don't know how many people want it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I mean, you look at someone like Lewis Black, and like, but I mean, even Lewis, like he had to do TV shows. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really, that's another big difference between here and the UK is you can make a really great living with just stand-up over there. And they have a lot of stand-up on TV, and they have a lot of radio programs for stand-up. And and the touring market's huge, and then they have these festivals where, you know, you just do these month-long theater runs. And so you can make a really killer living. So because of that, nobody's really pandering to get the sitcom. You know, nobody yeah. is like, hey, so my mom's Asian and my dad's a Jew, so that means I'm a Jew, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like no yeah. one's doing that stuff because they're not trying to use their act to pitch a sitcom. They're just using their act to talk about what they want to talk about, which I think is, you know, what it should be. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I don't like about um, the entertainment culture in the United States is that, like, everything, every trend, every everything is, like, um, what is it? Not cylindrical, but it it it's it cycles. It cycles. It comes back, and so sure. you know, in in the eighties, like comedy did reach a really low point, and it became this thing that like even the you know most unknowledgeable person who went to a comedy would be like, that's stupid. Like it, it went it went down, but right. I feel like it really is coming back. Like not just because I do a comedy podcast, and not just because like <laughs> I love all these comedians, but I really think that it is starting to come back, and it's like. Our culture, the majority of it is like really just like can't let go of the fact that it was bad once. Like they don't yeah. want to say like, okay, maybe it is good now. They just don't even want to try it. And it's like that's that everybody knows everything goes in cycles and everything goes to their down points and comes back. And like if you're just going to ignore it, then it, of course it's going to go to other countries. It's going to go other places. Sure. I mean, I really do think that NBC lineup you were talking about is a pushback against bad comedy. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's great. Like, I'm not a huge TV fan, but, like, it is so good. And, I mean, I you know, it really started with I, I, I think people were still a little too scared of it with the rest of the development. Mm. And 30 Rock happened and was just so undeniable and so acclaimed that people see that, you know, smart comedies can and what's, work. I mean, what's even, weird what's, about that for me, like, what's really weird about that for me is that 30 Rock started right after and right during Tina Fey's whole Sarah Palin thing. Like, her, her big thing was like, hey, I do this really good Sarah Palin impression. Now watch me on my new show. And it's just like, 
I feel like there's there's something deeper than just like, oh, the liberal audience that really liked this parody is now going to watch her show. I feel like there's something a lot more... Like, it couldn't have been just, like, people who were like, oh, Sarah Palin sucks. Oh, hey, 30 Rock. There had to have been some people who were like, I really love Sarah Palin. Oh, she can take a joke. This is a great thing. Oh, hey, good show. Like, they got turned on to a good show because they were watching a parody of something that they really care about, but they were like, oh, we're cool enough to watch this parody. Like, I feel like there's something there that... Maybe. Or, I don't know. <laughs> or, or, no, 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 no. I mean, totally. I mean, that could be it. Or... I think people just don't necessarily, you know, sometimes uh, I wasn't going to tell anybody this because I have an incredibly uh, progressive podcast where we have like Noam Chomsky on and people like, like Garoppolo and people like that. So, uh, so, so this, this stays between you and your listeners. Um, but we went on, uh, me and my girlfriend went on vacation with her parents uh, to Florida and one of the days we went to Disney World, which I know I should be against, but it was, like, the most fun. Like, I was a child. I was just like, wee! And they had, I mean, just the most awful types of people I've ever seen in my life. Like, every crazy stereotype. Um, like, like the people, it was literally the people from WALL-E. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> I have not seen Wally. I have not. Okay. There are people have, in that. Have you seen Have you seen Idiocracy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it was that. It was <laughs> literally that. Where it was just these. Uh, I hate to use the word giant because I don't want it to make sound like I'm like making fun of fat people because a lot of times <laughs> uh, overweight people it, it's because of class and like you know they don't have like produce and they're. Uh, poor neighborhoods or food stamps don't cover healthy food, blah, 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 blah. But this was, like, just the worst kind of, like, gluttonous. Like, nobody walked. They took scooters everywhere. And they were literally selling these, like, giant turkey legs, <laughs> which were, like, the size of, like, probably, I would say, like, from your elbow to your to the tip of your fingers. <laughs> and so these, these giant people with, like, just their mutant savage kids were running around. And then they were just, like, gnawing them. Like, like turkey butt was just, like, dripping down their <laughs> mouth. And they're like, oh. Peter Pan ride and like it was insanity and what was so interesting though is the one day we went we went to um the the animal place and there was like a burger show and um they were giving this such crazy liberal environmental messages and you saw just these, like, rednecks Republicans. They had this kind of look in their eye, like, what the fuck? But then they had no idea. Like, they were just like, yeah, birds. And I feel like that happens, too, with, like, it, it's sort of like what you were saying, which is, like, if a product is good, no matter what you think your political beliefs are, uh, I mean, that's why so, so many conservatives lost The Daily Show. It's like, if it's funny... You know, it's it, it's gonna work yeah. regardless. And I mean, I mean, I guess Thirty Rock isn't really. I mean, even though Tina has her politics, like Thirty Rock, it, it's had political jokes. Like it's a hell, you know. And Alex Baldwin is just like the biggest liberal. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I I feel like conservative or liberal or I mean, those titles are so arbitrary as it is. I feel like if you give people good comedy and you talk to them like adults, you're going to weed out the idiots. But I think there's a bigger audience than people think. The problem with the comedy industry is, you know, whenever you have meetings with managers or agents or TV executives, you think that all of them got in it 
to make good comedy. But it's just like any shitty business in any shitty part of the state where it's a bureaucracy. You just have people who their goal is just to be the president of a company. It doesn't matter if it's for a fashion magazine or if it doesn't matter if it's for Comedy Central. You just have these bureaucrats who don't want to get fired. And every once in a while, you meet some of the, the person that's booking The Tonight Show now is one of the most wonderful people on the planet. Like, the dude loves comedy. And there are a couple of those people out there. But um, Tonight Show, The Tonight Show with Conan, not the Leno <laughs> travesty. Um, but... Uh, you know, they're just people that they're like, hey, you know, we like what you do, but and they just don't want to take risks. But then what happens is it's kind of like what we were talking about with Fox is once something gets so undeniable. So somebody took a risk on 30 Rock. Now, maybe that risk was because Tina Fey was just so popular. They're like, we have to let her try our own vehicle. And then it got such good acclaim. But once 30 Rock took off, I mean, God, I mean, do you notice, like, with Parks and Recreation, the difference between the second season and the first season? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, brought, they brought, well, because they also brought in, like, that's what I was surprised about, because, like, I loved everybody who was in Parks and Recreations, but I was one of those people who was like, I really can't, there's something about this, is this not fully clicking, I don't know, and what's cool is that they they gave them another shot. They're like, we'll get you some new writers, we'll get you some more writers. They tried to make it better and now it really is oh man it's so good because i think they were just more honest i think the first season was just trying to be like the office in a government building and then yeah then i feel like that second season they were just like they you know and it wasn't necessarily the writer's fault yeah I mean, no. it, could have, it could have been network people retweaking yeah i mean that was what was weird about the first season like i really wanted to like it but something just wasn't like clicking i don't even know what it was i don't no, it felt really artificial yeah like amy poehler was like this really kind of like steve carell you know she didn't have her own personality she just seemed like she was going to be like that exact same maybe character. that's it because like i really like amy poehler and like you know you know if you're if you've ever seen her do anything you know that she can do a character and it just didn't feel like a character it felt like amy poehler as Steve Carell or something like that. Right. And and I mean, and, and then that second season, you know what, it started with the first season, or the season finale of the first episode, because we watched every episode and would be like, would start off so happy, would hear like, and we're like, oh, these and Amy and like all these great people, <laughs> and then would turn it off and just be like, do you just want to go to bed? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and we would just be so sad. And then suddenly that season finale happened, and from in one episode, like every character was developed, every character was like dynamic and and funny, and then that's yeah, the second season, I feel like it was the same deal, but you know i I think they probably and i I have no evidence, but I think <laughs> that probably a lot of these network people just got the fuck out of their way and let good comedy writers be good comedy writers and let good actors and improvisers be good actors and improvisers, and then you have a really good show, yeah. and that's what happens when bureaucracy just gets out of the way. Yeah. And, you know, I bet you money when, when, when 30 Rock uh, first started, they were like, we're doing this our way or we're not doing it, period. Yeah. Um, and that's why it started off so 
good. And that's why Arrested Development was so good. But then I think people still got scared. Well, the network spent have... way too much money on that stair car. Like, that was, in my in my mind, that's why it got canceled. Because I've, I've heard interviews, I've done the research, and apparently all their budget went to renting a stair car because... The network didn't want to buy it because they didn't know how good the show was going to do. And then by the time they finally canceled it, they're like, oh, yeah, you guys are way too expensive. And it was like, Ugh. Wait, hold on. <laughs> it is, when you first said that, I was pretty sure you were kidding, and that was No, hilarious. I'm not kidding. Is, it, is, it, is it actually this true? Is, no, this is actually true. I can find the interview and get it to you. But oh no, they they wouldn't buy the stair car. I don't know if they wouldn't because it was too expensive or because whoever owned it wouldn't let them. For whatever reason, they rented the stair car throughout the entire series, and oh when they finally got canceled, it wasn't just that they had like not the greatest ratings or whatever, but it was because their ratings couldn't balance out the cost of production. And it was oh, like shit. that show is like one of the lowest. Like there's nothing about it aside from that car that could cost that much. That like, is so funny. I don't know. Hi, this is DJ Intern Sam, host of Naked Comedy. I hope you're enjoying the podcast currently in progress, made by hosts like me college students just trying to make a good show for people to listen to that is hopefully engaging and alternative to what they might find at other radio stations um i hope that you are enjoying the um bare bones amazing passionate feel that goes into every show of KUCI and if you'd like to continue to see shows like this uh, continue in their fashion without having to succumb to the demands of the man, like, you know, learning how to speak proper radio lingo or etc. <laughs> um, please consider donating at KUCI.org slash donations. We could really appreciate it. And it will, your donations will go towards allowing people like me who have trouble continuing one straight sentence into a microphone have shows and have the opportunity to get to people like you our awesome listeners so thanks again for listening to this podcast and i will return you to a much better worded interview already in progress yay i've gone into tv meetings and they're I mean, you deal with people like these, like this, who are just like, oh, I don't want to buy the stair car, or who just know nothing about comedy. Or we just had the guys from um, Derek Comedy, uh, oh, who made yeah. a movie mystery team, on on our podcast. We, we don't have many comics on our podcast. We've had Garoppolo and and the guys from Mystery Team, just because I, I love them. <laughs> and um, and they were just talking about how all these industry people just tried to push them around because they were young and they were new. I mean, Don Don's pretty big now just from 30 Rock and Community. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, and not, not only not only were they pushed, being pushed around by like the big industry people and we're getting like no financial backing, but then you'd have everybody on the set. They were talking about how like even the dude holding the boom mic is like a failed screenwriter. <laughs> so like he'll be like, "That's not how you take a shot." And these kids, they were like, "What? What? Just hold the boom mic?" Um, it was it was insane. And you know, I, I remember, you know, like, like I said this when we were talking about parks and recreation. 
I, I feel like comics need that just get the fuck out of my way mentality yeah. where I am not a confident person. Um, my girlfriend has to tell me I'm funny like three to four times a day. <laughs> if I'm having a great show, I'll find the dude who doesn't like me and yeah. just like recreate like an image of my father onto him. <laughs> like I'm not a fan of Jamie Kilstein. And, um, but the one time that I kind of took on that get the fuck out of my way was when we were going in for to pitch this radio show. Um, and we went into like major news networks and places like this. And, and the major networks were such idiots that I was like, if they're not going to get the fuck out of our way and let us do what we want to do, like we're walking and we're leaving a lot of money. I mean, you know, uh, so my girlfriend, her, uh, her name's Allison Kilkenny, and she's like a writer and she writes for Huffington Post and The Nation and all those lefty rags. And, uh, and so we just had this radio show and one of the news networks uh, found out about us. Um, it was during the election, and we just we, we started it online, like like you're doing, and and we just got this really cool grassroots following from out of nowhere, and so then we started to get bigger guests and bigger guests and and whatever. So this news network was like, um, they you know I, I don't want to I don't want to uh, get in trouble uh, and say the name. But let's just call them CNN. <laughs> and, uh, we, they 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 brought us in and. Essentially, it was right around the election. Essentially, they were like, so, you know, you're independent, don't have commercials, um, have really gotten the youth vote. Uh, how do we rape and pillage that? <laughs> it, it was essentially like, how do we terrorize that? And then we went in just because, you know, Allison and I really only started making a living about a year or two ago with this international work that I started getting and, and her profile rising. But, you know, I mean, I only got health insurance a month ago. Uh, we lived out of our car three years ago. So we're still relatively new to, to having money. <laughs> and, 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 and we don't still, but we have enough to like, you know, we don't. <laughs> and, and so like, so this would have been a big thing. Like, it's not like we were walking away because I have like, you know, Louis C.K. cash. <laughs> um, and so I remember we went in and the first thing that was really weird was, because I figured, I mean, the, the, the great thing about CNN, well, that's not true. Um, <laughs> they're, 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 comparatively, they attempted for a little while to be the network that didn't just have these raging personalities, whether it be from the left or the right. They were just like, we're just the news. Yeah. Like, people need news, we're just the news. And then that went away very quickly once Fox <laughs> News became so popular and then MSNBC. And, but I still kind of had that image in my head. I'm like, you're going to be people, they brought us in for the right reasons at first, I thought, where they were like, young people are watching because they care about Obama and we don't want to lose them. So I'm like, all right, I want young people to care about the news. Great. So we get in and it's kind of girl and it's, it's, it's in the Time Warner Center in New York City, so like it, it, it boasts out about Central Park. And we get up to like a pretty high floor, and all we meet this guy, and like all he wants to do is show us uh, the view. Um, not, not the TV show, that would be really weird. But like the view, <laughs> just like the, 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 the view. And, and, and that's a cool thing to open with. Like it's a small talk, it makes sense. But he went from like kind of creepy to like oddly aggressive <laughs> where 
he was like, look at the view. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And he's like, look at it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I see it. It's really, it's really cool. It sounds like a, like a cartoon of an executive. Like something that would be in The Simpsons. Totally. No, that's what it is. It's all those awful caricatures you see on, uh, like, Entourage. Like, that's just not an overrated show. Like, it's totally accurate. <laughs> and I... People get so mad at me that I don't like that show. <laughs> and, uh, and so... Yeah, like he just kept pushing it where he was like, he was like at Central Park. And I'm like, I know, like I just walked through it to get here. And and he was saying it in that kind of way, like, you know, when someone, I don't know how to describe this, like he was so proud of that view. And that's all he wanted to show me that I'm like, oh, you have nothing to offer me yourself, which is why you're trying to show me these kind of outside. Because it's not like CNN built fucking Central Park. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they have nothing to do with Central Park. Like if he was like, you know, he was like, look at that statue. Like it took Anderson it was like It was like he was years. taking credit for like nature. Like he was like, here, like this that's is under what? CNN's umbrella, the world. Right? <laughs> totally. Like if Sanjay Gupta like designed the fountain like outside of there, then I'd be like, Well, CNN, I'm impressed. Like, okay, yeah, totally. But that wasn't the case at all. And so then like they sit us down and it's that total again, cliche thing where like they're half listening lawn or their blackberries and and you know, they I remember the first thing they said was they go, uh they go, We just we we don't know what we're gonna we don't know what we're gonna talk about after the election. And I remember Alice and I were like, what? Like, you're a news network. Like, <laughs> you could talk about the news. And they were like, ah, no, we just we just don't know. And I was, like, horrified. Where I was like, like, the election of Obama is a big deal. <laughs> but, like, there's still going to be news. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like when, 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 when Jesus was, like, crucified. Suddenly everyone was like, what the fuck are we going to talk about now? Yeah. Like, shit moves on. Like, you keep talking. And, like, that's so stupid scary where they were like with no election like i don't know i don't know what we're gonna do and so so that happened and that that should have been our like we should have just left but then the scariest thing that happened um the, the title of our show is citizen radio mm-hmm. which sounds a little communisty <laughs> and so they they asked us what we want to call the show and i knew i couldn't pitch citizen radio so the idea allison and i had was and i played into their in, uh, Obama infatuation too. Like I thought I was being so slick. Where I go, well, I think the reason that kids got so excited about Obama is it was the first time. And by the way, I'm talking about candidate Obama, not the Obama that just sent forty thousand more soldiers to Afghanistan and is trouncing on healthcare uh, and civil liberties and torture. Um, He's still an American this, president. I mean, there's you know, there's. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it doesn't matter how how charming your smile is, uh, you're gonna turn into a fucking pawn. Um, but Canada Obama was very exciting, and so I go. I think what why people got so excited was because he made them feel like they mattered. You know, you have all these like rich white candidates who are always, you know, they're getting all their money from the special interest groups, and you know, Obama kept saying, "I want to hear from you. I want you to criticize me. I want." You know, uh, he was he was making most of his money from grassroots contributions, and and I think that's what really struck a nerve with people is, is these these disenfranchised minorities and these 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 young kids finally felt like they were part of a democracy. So I go, what if we had something with the word democracy in it? And I shit you not, both these executives they both went, ooh, uh, 
democracy. <laughs> and one of them, like, I would write this in a script. One of them goes, uh, that's a very radical <laughs> word, don't you think? So CIA and the most trusted name in news thinks democracy, our system of governance, is, a, is radical, A. Uh, and then the other one, this doesn't even make sense, the other one goes, yeah, that's, that's very 1920s. <laughs> What? what? Like, what's 1920s like about democracy? Like, you know, it was one of those like, hey, we won't think if I was like, I want to call it like Jamie and Allison's No Blacks, No Women Allowed Funhouse. And if he was like, that is 1920s, uh, I'd, I'd be like, all right, right. But like, that's crazy to me that like they, democracy is fucking radical. Like, I don't know if that's because they think if we actually lived in a true democracy, like we would vote to get CNN off the air. Like they're the same network that like lied us into war. They have a fucking fake surgeon who's against universal health care. Like, I, I, I don't know what I, I don't know what it is, but they just that's kind of the world. Just like you were saying, you made your show because you know that there are fans of good comedy out there. That's kind of why Allison and I made Citizen Radio was because we knew that there were so many stories that weren't getting covered by the mainstream media, um, just like you knew that there weren't comedians getting covered by Comedy Central. Um, and there's an audience, and there are people who give a shit. It's just these, these giant corporations kind of, you know, they either fear it or they just don't get it or they don't want it or they just want to play it safe or they want to, you know, just use the same model that's failed and failed all over again. You know, I kind of think that the next step in media's evolution really is this sort of Internet radio and this sort of free. I mean, that's kind of the new underground, as weird as that sounds, because the Internet's so popular. Because um, I remember after we met with Sirius and a couple other people, we went to this internet radio station that we'd never heard of before because, like, I really just wasn't up on internet radio. I didn't know much about it. And the guy, we just met with the guy, and he was just amazing. He was like, we don't think that people, it's called Breakthrough Radio, but it's like mm-hmm. T-H-R-U. Um, he was like, we don't think that people should pay for music. We don't think that, uh, you know, every radio station should just play the same couple of songs. Uh, yeah, you, you look at radio now, and I feel like radio's motto you just be like, radio, like, I hope you like Nickelback. And it's like, nope, I, I don't. Like, not many people do. And although someone just emailed me and said Billboard named them Band of the Year, which is uh, hurtful. Um, but, you know, but, but now people are starting to, I feel like it's sort of like UCB, where it's like, you know, well, we, me and you may not be making much money off of it, but, you know, uh, people don't have to pay for it. Uh, and people are getting information that they, they, they thought they were crazy uh, for caring about. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. whenever I go to UCB, I, I, I go crazy. I'm like, why isn't, why do comedy clubs still exist? Like, how would people choose that over this? Whenever I, I read independent journalists um, like Allison, like Glenn Greenwald, like Matt Taibbi from Rolling Stone, they, these great people, and then you watch just the, the Tiger Woods, <laughs> fucking party crash just garbage on the news where it's just like you have adults being like oh he had sex with someone he's not supposed to and it's like there are two fucking wars going on motherfucker <laughs> like are you out of your mind like this is what you're gonna play for 24 hours just cause like you, you feel like naughty talking about 
a golfer's sex life. Like it's disgusting. So I'm gonna almost... we have to we have to wrap up, but I'm gonna throw this out there and see what you say. Sure. And this might be one of those things where it's like, I don't think I'm li- I don't think I'm racist, but like it's not. But okay. what I think is interesting is that just on the verge of Obama, you know, putting in more troops, like um, extending our our stay in the war that we're in, you know, totally going against what he was saying. At the same time, just coincidentally, another famous black man happens to cheat on his hot wife that's white. And it's really big news. I don't know if that has anything to do with each other, but I'm just saying I'm sure there's a lot of white golfers that have been cheating on their wives. They're probably just like, I'm sure right now, somewhere in the world, a white golfer is cheating on his wife. But... No, I mean, you look at uh, the, uh, Mark Sanford, uh, the governor from South Carolina. He did, his wife just filed for divorce the, the, this same week. And I'm like, he was an elected official who left his state to go have an affair with that girl from Argentina. Like, our, our media covered it, but they're not covering it nearly as much now. Because, yeah, there is something where, you know, the media is run by a bunch of white dudes. And they like, you know, the the black guy in trouble. Like he was, he, he came in and he fucked up their sport. Like, you know, it, it, it was a white old guy club. And then Tiger comes in and he's awesome. So, I mean, they're thrilled about this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wouldn't agree that Obama is letting down white people uh, or, you know, it, because. Oh, no, a- I don't think that he's letting down on people. But I feel like the way that these things are being covered, they really are trying to be like, hey, A plus B. I know. Well, Obama, <laughs> what, what I meant to say was Obama's getting a little a little more leniency because uh, whereas Tiger was messing things up for white people by ruining their sport, if you look at the capitulations that Barack Obama's made, it's very pro-Wall Street. It's yeah. pro-military. It's very pro-white people. So, you know, uh, uh, we'll we're see. just being let down all over. <laughs> we'll see. In three months, we'll see how the A plus B ended up and... Maybe yeah. maybe that'll be around Sketchfest. I'll run into you and we'll continue this conversation. Oh yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna be at Sketchfest, I think I'm only there for like the first three days with uh with Reggie Watts, who's awesome at uh the punchline. Oh yeah, did you see it? Was- he he got a new he got a commercial with um Duracell batteries where they just let him do his thing. It was great. Like the commercial is like uh it's trying to show how strong Duracell battery is and it's like this Duracell battery can basically like power Reggie Watts and Descartes at the same time. And so it's just like okay. five minutes of just Reggie, you know, doing his thing, like, you know, beat, 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 then doing the thing. And then he walks up to a car where everything's plugged into this battery and then the car turns on and then he just drops the mic and walks away. <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm looking at that right now. Reggie's you have to look it up like, on YouTube. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't even look like... like it could be a real like commercial, or if it was, it would be like a Super Bowl commercial because it's like five minutes long or something like that. Hilarious. <laughs> no, Reggie's one of like our closest friends, and like I, this is the first time we I think we've co-headlined. Uh, and yeah, I wish I had the date. <laughs> well, it was great <laughs> talking to you. I'm really I'm really glad we were able to talk and get this going. And maybe in Sketchfest, I'll come say hi to you. And you can be yeah, part of the retrospective. Do. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Cool. Well, have a have a great day and have fun watching that commercial. <laughs> you too. And keep doing keep doing uh, what you're doing. I will. You too. With Citizen Radio. All right. Radio. Bye. All right bye. Well, that's the show for this week. I want to thank DJ Doug Pound for my awesome show theme. He's amazing and made that from the genius of his brain. You can check out more of his genius brain 
um, products at dougpound, D-O-G-G-P-O-U-N-D dot com. Um, thanks again for downloading the podcast and please tune into the full show on Thursday mornings or Wednesday night, however you want to think about it, um, at, from 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. on KUCI.org. Um, there's a lot to the show that we can't put on the podcast, like comedy albums, clips from TV shows, awesome, amazing surprise call-in guests, um, and so much more that is still pretty awesome. So check it out. Um, do a stream record. Um, boycott TiVo until they allow you to record the FM waves along with your TV as well. Whatever you need to do. Naked Comedy, Thursday mornings, Wednesday nights, 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. on KUCI.org. Um, until then, I'm um, uh, gonna... K-U-C-I, the cooch, cooch, the cooch, cooch, K-U-C-I, the cooch, cooch, the cooch, cooch, K-U-C-I, the cooch, naked comedy.